0: This is Beyond Riel, a UMFM limited series that delves into the history, culture, and challenges facing minority Francophone communities in Canada. My name is André Marcheldon. And I'm Ian T.D. Thompson. We are excited that you have tuned in as we explore la francophonie in Canada. This series is sponsored by La Société de la Francophonie Manitobaine, the advocate for the franco manitoban community. This project is also supported by a taking a global grant with support from the Canada Service Corps and the Government of Canada. Francophone communities in Canada are diverse, but there's one aspect that they all share, a lively local culture. For the Francophone community in Manitoba, its cultural events such as the de Voyageurs unites the community even during the coldest weeks of the year. On today's episode, we will explore the cultural events and organizations in Manitoba and across Canada that
1: bring together Francophones to perform, sing, and socialize. Talk about these ideas today is Gabriel Tuga. I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. This is already an absolute blast, and I'm really psyched about this project and honored to be a part of it.
0: So Gabriel Tuga is a filmmaker and television director who was born and raised in Winnipeg. At only 19, he started working for La Production Rivale, where he directed over 50 hours of programming. In 2013, Gabriel co-wrote and directed the movie Sud, a feature-length French film produced in Manitoba. Gabriel continues to write and direct documentary series for national broadcast and favourite themes of his include environmentalism and youth engagement. On today's episode, we uncovered the wide range of French cultural events taking place in Manitoba and in Canada. It's clear that what brings together the Francophone communities is a common language and a lively culture. There's French theatre, music, improv, and national French youth parliaments that unite the local Francophone communities and also different ones across the country. So for this
2: episode,
0: uh, Gabriel, we want to discuss what brings together francophone communities such as the one in Manitoba. And for this episode, we have two parts to it. So for the first one, we want to talk with you, Gabriel, about cultural activities and events in Manitoba that you've either participated in or know about. And in the second part, we want to talk about some of the original content that you've produced as a director and filmmaker. So Gabriel, growing up as a francophone in Manitoba, what were some of the cultural events that you attended and participated in?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question. I feel like in the Franco Manitoban community, um, we have a very strong and diverse uh, cultural scene. Diverse more in terms of like the kinds of events happening um, and the kinds of artistic disciplines or cultural events that are happening. I'm very thankful for that because a lot of Francophone minorities across Canada don't have such a richness of cultural uh, events. And that can be traced partly to the fact that St. Boniface truly is a hub for the Francophone community, and that due to Manitoba's geography, there's a huge concentration of population that, you know, resides a couple hundred kilometers from the American border, and therefore St. B can really be like a hub for for all the spokes of la francophonie that that extend from Winnipeg outward into all the the, the communities, all the rural communities that have upheld uh, the francophone culture over a century. That being said, I say I'd say that the first cultural touchstone is for most Franco-Manitobans is the Festival du Voyageur, because it's as much a cultural and artistic party, like uh, like a just a good old fashioned you know music and culture festival, as it is a celebration of who we are, of of indigenous Métis Francophone heritage, and kind of like a big community gathering. Like a lot of people call it the Franco-Manitoban Christmas, and rightly so, you know, it's like a full 10 days of fully celebrating what it is to be Francophone and also what it is to be Manitoban in winter. And I could find a lot of cultural products that responded to me. The only other thing that I'm going to be, that I'm I'm going to say about that in terms of TV and film, pretty much all of my cultural touchstones were Anglo and mostly American, you know, uh, Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, Thomas, the Tank Engine, you know, all the classics of the, of being an an early nineties kid, moving on to like whatever was on YTV Treehouse, and then YTV or whatever. That was a kind of a cultural gap that was filled by Quebecois TV for some, um, but because it, was, it wasn't an accent or it wasn't a culture in which I recognized myself, it was a lot easier for me as a kid uh, to get into Anglo-American TV because I grew up with both, both languages and the North American kind of general a- Anglo dialect was something that I understood better than the Quebecois French. Oh that was great, thanks Gabrielle.
0: Would you also be able to touch a little bit on some of the cultural aspects that are present in some of the schools like uh, the French schools that that students can participate in, such as
1: the theater and the improv leagues that are present there? It's a very delicate balance because in a minority context, the opportunities for kids and young people to genuinely live out their culture, feel their culture, express their culture in ways that are meaningful and fun to them can be few and far between. I don't think it's, it's a uniquely Franco-Manitoban thing to say that something that is introduced to you by your teacher isn't necessarily cool just because it's linked to the fact that it was your teacher who introduced it to you. So there is a really interesting equ- equilibrium that has to be walked in the Francophone community where a lot of culture is being provided to students through the school system. And yet it has kind of this inherent cool factor, especially when you hit like teenage years, it has this inherent uncool factor, which makes kids possibly unfairly resist it. So any kind of like art musical artist, or film that was shown to us in French class or even in other classes or whatever, just didn't feel like it was part of our cultural pantheon. And it was by default uncool because school was making us watch it or listen to it. The two exceptions to that rule though, were exactly what you said, Andrei, uh for me at least. What, that was uh, high school improv and high school theater. So I was, I was an artsy kid. Those who played sports, you know, could play sports in French, but it was always against English language teams. So there was less of a fully French language atmosphere. But if you were an arts kid, boy, were you catered to, because I think the arts also more plainly vehicles language than sports do. And therefore there's like more attention paid to, especially expressive arts that have words in them, like music and theater and that kind of stuff. I was actually the co-founder, even before we got to high school improv of a, of a, um, A middle school improv league involving just like the 50 kids in our seventh and eighth grade classes Uh, and then I moved on to high school improv and did four years of high school improv from ninth to 12th grade and there's something inherently powerful about laughing in the French language that makes you connect to it on a much deeper level if you haven't had that experience before. Thankfully, I had had those experiences before. And you almost forget that you're speaking the language of most, that is mostly linked to like academics in school by laughing and creating spontaneously in French. And a lot of teachers have said in retrospect that it's that French improv and French theater are the only two moments where they don't have to remind kids to speak French you know, because that was also a huge part of going to school in French was like being reminded frequently, oh, Palais Francais, speak French because English is so much cooler and so much more predominant in society, right? But yeah, I would say that French improv and French theater, I w- in French theater, I, w- I wasn't a performer. I was already behind the scenes at that point, which is maybe like a little bit of a prelude to me becoming a director. But we were just given so many f- freaking cool opportunities in both of those programs because there were fewer students. So if you were interested to stage manage, or if you were interested to be the star of the play, you could just kind of be the star of the play and didn't even need to audition or anything like that. If you wanted to be part of the improv team, you were in, it wasn't a competitive space. And therefore we got more opportunities out of that in high school than probably a lot of similar Anglophone peers would have had because those spaces were so much more competitive. Um, and that too, I'm thankful for because it gave me a greater, horizon of possibilities of the arts and creativity that I could perform in my French language, which truly set me up for my 20s.
0: I remember when, uh, when I was in high school, one of the activities that I actually would do Uh, on a weekly basis with my Francophone friends was actually to go to La Lime, La Ligue des Improvisations, the French Improv League. And it was just really cool. Like I never participated in that. I was not someone who was very good at improv, but just having that there, like even for the folks that are like me, that are not (laughs) artistically inclined, we're able to go there and really have this, this weekly event to like bond over something that's produced in French. And I thought that was so important to, to have that because you don't want to just have a community that's uh that has like the only thing we have in common is just a common language. Like having that common culture together, I think
1: was really important as well to, to kind of create that group of friends as well. And the neat thing about improv is that there's a my my friend Joël de Bois mentioned this to me once. In fact, he also said it in in one of my films. The the neat thing about improv is that there's also a common French-Canadian thread through it that Many different French-Canadian and Acadian cultures have historically embraced improv as a characteristically French-Canadian creative and social art form. And so that too creates this sense of pan canadianness ness And feeling like you're part of a wider community of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Francophones across Canada, around the world is a huge stepping stone for a lot of young Francos who finally learn to embrace that part of their identity and language because they have a greater sense of belonging than just kind of like their little small town.
0: You briefly mentioned in in your last answer, how like other communities across Canada had like this similar thread as well, where like the improv kind of brought them together. Could you talk a little bit about like if there had been any events or activities that you attended where you kind of were able to see that like this similar theme that we have in in Manitoba, the Francophone community in Manitoba, where culture brings us together is the same thing for a lot of other Francophone communities across Canada as well.
1: We often criticize, amongst the Franco communities, we often criticize other Franco communities, other larger Franco communities for not even knowing that we exist. That being said, if you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, I'm sure that there's Francos elsewhere in Western Canada. I hadn't really internalized that notion. And I actually came to that quite a bit later than a lot of my super Franco gung-ho peers. Like I was a super young gung-ho Franco who was part of like all kinds of different Franco stuff. And, and, I, and I had kind of my identity moment a lot earlier than, than most do. But I still didn't partake in some of the events that were available to us. Like, for example, Les Jeux de la Francophonie-Canadienne, which are a pan-Canadian Franco Games for young people, for young high schoolers, that happen every three years at a, in a different city across Canada. It's almost exactly like the Canada Games, except Franco Minority Edition, with with a, the representation from Quebec as well. I hadn't part I hadn't partaken in, in any of that, and it wasn't until my early twenties when I really started getting enthusiastic. And this is a whole other tangent, but in. Uh, youth parliaments. So I got really deep into youth parliaments, not so much for the politics, but also for kind of like the again the theatrical improvisational aspect. it was it was it had more to do with oratory and debate and humor and interaction and and finding peers that had the same interests as you. again, all the things characteristic of, of all kinds of different like special groups and different interests. But yeah, so I got really deep into the youth parliament network first doing uh, Palomages Jeunesse franco Maitobin, so the Franco-Manitoban edition uh, for several years as a, as a teenager in high school. And then in my early 20s, I did my very first Paloma franco du Nord et du West, so the Western Canadian and Northern uh, Francophone parliament. And that was out in Whitehorse, Yukon. The night that I landed in Whitehorse and I stepped into the hotel lobby, there were already delegations from all the other provinces there, the connections formed so quickly and so easily, uncannily so, and I discovered a whole other level of people who were on my wavelength and I met Des Franco-Colombiens from British Columbia, uh, des Franco-Albertains from Alberta, des Francescois from Saskatchewan, um, Francophones who were born and raised and lived in the territories. And I realized that that the uh, labels and the borders that separated us were entirely institutional and had very little tangible or concrete appearance or application and that the lived experience was actually incredibly similar that we had were shaped by similar forces and had similar outlooks on life and when I that was my moment of of belonging to a much larger group than my initial small peer group of you know 18 to 25 year olds living in Winnipeg and speak and bilingual 18 to 25 year olds in Winnipeg ever since I've identified as a franco western canadian first even before being calling myself a franco manitoban because the differences are so small and i've always wanted to pay more attention to that those events gave me a, such a better sense of the breadth and scope of the francophone experience across canada and i felt not that i felt particularly alone because i grew up very privileged in a very populous Winnipeg with a very diverse and 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 effervescent Franco community, but I felt even less. I felt like there was even more to explore. And that fully launched me into my 20s and still some of my best friends I've met through those events.
2: Uh, this, this, this is awesome, uh, Gabriel. I'm just gonna jump in here. I guess kind of tied to that idea. You know, that's just one example of kind of French youth parliament. Like what other sort of events or or traits with those events? Would you like to see, like, for other, like, Franco Manitobans or from those across the community, to experience what you experience there uh, with French youth, youth parliament? What sort of factors or other events would you like to see?
1: All kinds. I'd love to see all kinds of events of events that I would never take part of, part in. I feel like so many of the events are geared toward people like me with my interests in arts, culture the the spoken word in the sense of debate and oratory and and that kind of thing and i feel like there are there is an insufficient diversity of activities catering toward people who don't have my set of interests or background all the francophone every single um, jurisdiction like province and territory has its own francophone youth council Some of them are organized in different ways, but all of them are led by a council of young people, generally between 16 and 25. In Manitoba, I think it's 14 to 25. The slogan for those youth provincial councils has always been Paris pour les jeunes, by young people for young people. That's been really important because it's, it's allowed those organizations to be connected to the pulse of what would interest those young people most. The problem is when you have a certain type of person and i'm not just talking about race and privilege factors that go into it but also like a certain set of interests when you have a lot of that kind of person getting elected to a council they might be less responsive to other people's interests or needs or n- might not even have like the skill set or the awareness to reach out to other types of people again it's not a huge criticism i'm a little bit skeptical as to like how many other people are out there looking for this kind of event but it is something to to consider because I feel like a lot of people who don't respond to the kind of nerdy, high achieving, arts and culture focused, already Franco convinced kids fall through the cracks and don't connect with those those kinds of programs that most promote, you know, French language identity and and pride and and culture and and roots, and are therefore kind of just left to their own devices to discover it much later in life if when they have kids or. When they reconnect with family or whatever so i think i would just say more more of everything more more events and a greater diversity of of interest because it's important and i and it's the single most gratifying uplifting flourishing opportunity which is to travel elsewhere and to meet other people of your age and category who also speak French and who have kind of the same worldview and outlook and and interests as you, uh, that opens up the world in a big way. And, and I, and I've been profoundly transformed by it. And I would hope that other generations get the same chance. Perfect. So I think now is a good
0: time to actually move on to like the second part of this episode, which is going to be kind of talking about the specific content
2: that you've produced. uh, Thanks for listening to Beyond Real join us on our next episode when we continue our discussion with Gabriel on some of the original content he's produced. Executive producers and hosts are André Mathildon and Ian TD Thompson. Technical producer is Frederic Demers and consulting producer is Gabriel Tuga. The music you hear on Beyond Real is by Rayana. To hear more of her music, visit rayana.com. That's R-A-Y-A-N-N-A-H.com. Beyond Real is a UMFM 101.5 limited series broadcasted out of the University of Manitoba. For more information on the series, visit (laughs) umfm.com.